Welcome to the Cornerstone Baptist Church podcast. My name is Justin Wheeler. I am the preaching pastor for Cornerstone, and today we are in week 40 of our journey through the Heidelberg Catechism. Today I'm going to be talking to you about questions 105, 106, and 107. And these three questions deal with the sixth commandment. And the sixth commandment comes to us from Deuteronomy chapter 5 and verse 17, which is very simple. It reads this way, you shall not murder. Now, this is perhaps the most recognized and culturally accepted commandment in all of the Decalogue, in all of the Ten Commandments, the Ten Words. Even among unbelieving non-Christian people around us, this command is seen as right, it is seen as just, it is seen as good for society. And we are not alone. Nearly every civilization known to our history has had some laws prohibiting the taking of innocent human life, and laws that promised punishment for those who did so. But that hasn't kept our world from being filled with murder, nor has it kept murder out of our imaginations. Right here in Dallas, records indicate that the murder rate is on a dramatic rise in 2019. In 2018, uh, Dallas, Texas recorded 196 homicides. By May of 2019, the city had already recorded 90 homicides, which means that before the summer even began, we were on pace to break this terrible record. But murder is not just a reality in our culture. It is also big business in the box office. Horror movies depicting homicidal violence have never been more popular. In fact, the highest grossing horror film in 2018 was a movie called The Quiet Place, and it took in $188 million. The entire horror industry took in $901 million in 2018. That's almost $1 billion that was spent in the year 2018 by people who wanted to be entertained by violent murder being depicted on screen. And this doesn't take into account the millions made on action, adventure, and sci-fi movies depicting a similar type of violence. Now, I'm not just making you know, the, the movie-making industry my, my focus here, but, but this tells us something about ourselves. What does this tell us? Well, I think for starters, it reveals that we don't take this command of God as seriously as we should. But it also reveals that at some level, deep down, murder is a problem that all of us struggle with. Murder has been an issue for humanity since the very beginning. In fact, in Genesis chapter 4, we read about the very first sin committed outside the Garden of Eden. Cain and his brother Abel prepared their offerings to the Lord. The Lord received Abel's offering, but not Cain's. And the Bible says that Cain was very angry and his face fell, meaning his countenance fell. Cain spoke to his brother Abel, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. So just a a few verses later, in the very same chapter of Genesis 4, we read the story of a man named Lamech who boasted about his two wives. He was a really arrogant individual, but he boasted about his two wives, and he also boasted about the fact that he had killed a young man. After the flood, 
um, God commissions Noah and his family to begin the rebuilding process of human society and human civilization. But this time, God gives him a law, one of the first specific laws that were given in the book of Genesis. And this particular law prohibits murder. And it comes out of Genesis 9 and verse 6. And it says, Whoever sheds the blood of a man, by man shall his blood be shed. For God made man in his own image. So don't miss the fact that we're just nine chapters into the Bible. And we have already seen murder become so prevalent on the earth that God gave Moses this divine law in order to forbid it. I mean, murder is a serious crime in the eyes of God, and it demands serious punishment, and it is something that we have been struggling with. It's something that has a hold of our hearts and lives since the very beginning. Now, why is this such a big deal? Well, murder is an assault, as we see in Genesis 9-6. Murder is an assault upon the image of God in man. Human life is not cheap. It is precious to God. And when it is taken, God demands justice. It is an unjust thing. It is an unholy thing, an unrighteous thing to take a human life. And, and what we mean by murder here is not the same thing as manslaughter. Murder is the intentional taking of an innocent human life. It is not the same thing as the accidental taking of life, nor is it the same as self-defense, and nor does this command prohibit just war. The act of murder is a grievous sin, and it aff- its effects can be seen throughout the Bible and throughout the history of humanity. And we all know this. Instinctively, we know and understand that murder is a terrible crime. It's a terrible transgression of God's law, uh, and it demands swift and balancing justice. But murder has a root that goes deeper than the act itself. In fact, when Jesus addressed the sin of murder and the commandment that prohibited it, he didn't just so much deal with the act itself. He dealt with the heart attitude behind the act. So we read this in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 21, which is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. He says, You have heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that everyone who is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says, You fool, will be liable to the hell of fire. Now, Jesus goes on and he says more about this issue, but that's encapsulating his understanding, his application of this command that we shall not murder. Murder is a terrible sin, but anger, just like the the sin of Cain was, he started out with anger towards his brother that led to murder. Anger is the real root of the problem. And the root is what the Heidelberg is trying to address. So if we look at question number 105, The question is, what is God's will for you in the sixth commandment? Now, again, he's talking to believers. He's talking to those who've been born again, those who have embraced Christ by faith. And he says, what now is the role of God's uh, commandment, his sixth commandment in your life? And here's the answer. I am not to belittle, insult, hate, or kill my neighbor, not by my thoughts, my words, my look or gesture, and certainly not by actual deeds. And I am not to be party to this in others. Rather, I am to put away all desire for revenge. That's a reference back to Cain. I am not to harm or recklessly endanger myself either. Prevention of murder is also why government is armed with the sword. Now, there's a lot packed into that answer, and we've already addressed at least some of the roots of, uh, of this. But here's the thing. How many of us have read the Ten Commandments and thought, well, at least I haven't committed murder? 
Well, I think at some level, Jesus' audience did the same thing. They looked at the pursuit of righteousness. They looked at their relationship with God and, and His laws. And they, they thought simply in terms of what they had done and what they had not done, right? Uh, but Jesus taught that our behavior is not only you know, it's it's only part of the equation. The key to understanding the deeper purpose of God's law in the lives of his people is to understand what his law reveals about our hearts. And in our hearts, we commit murder all the time. It's easy to see that anger is what leads to the act of murder, especially when we look at Cain and Abel. But Jesus wants us to know that the anger in our hearts is just as dangerous and deserving of condemnation as the act itself. See, God cares when we commit sinful acts, of course. But he also cares about the sinful thoughts, the sinful motives, the sinful condition that is in our hearts. So God's will for us in this commandment is not that we would do everything in our power simply to avoid the sin of murder. Sure, we must do that. But he also wants us to do everything within our power to strive to rid our hearts of the attitudes and emotions that give rise to murder. Heidelberg even talks about the act of harming one's self as murder, right? He's talking about suicide there. And suicide is a terrible thing. And it often comes about because a person is hurting or a person has been hurt in a way that is completely overwhelming to them. But here's the thing we need to understand. It is still sin. Whether you're taking someone else's life or you're taking your own, it is still sin. And we should grieve when suicide takes place. And we should try to comfort those whose loved one has taken their life. But we need to have a category in our mind for what has taken place. And suicide still falls into that category of murder. All right, well, let's look at the second question. Question 106. Does this commandment refer only to killing? And the answer is this. By forbidding murder, God teaches us that he hates not just the act, but the root of murder, envy, anger, vindictiveness. In God's sight, all such are murder. So the, the point that this is getting across is that God hates the root of murder. The heart, where anger and jealousy and envy and, and vindictiveness and all these things lie, the heart, the Bible tells us, is desperately wicked. Who can understand it? Who can tame it? Well, the Bible says we cannot, but God can. And in His mercy and in His grace, God can and does give new hearts to His people. In fact, that's the promise of the new covenant, that He would take out our stony heart where the law was written on stone, and He will give us a heart of flesh, and He will write the law on our new heart of flesh by His Spirit. And, and not only does He give us new hearts, but He also renews our hearts by His Spirit and His Word. So God is working in the hearts of His people, and He's calling us to turn away from the root of murder um, and, and the wicked fruit of murder and to embrace a, a whole new heart, a whole new root, which is the root of love. Love. It's, it's well known that love is at the heart of the message and vision of Christianity. I mean, there's Perhaps no more popular New Testament verse in all the world than John 3.16, where we come to understand that God loves the world, and in His love He gave His Son, so that all who believe in Him will not perish but have eternal life. So this, this verse is about the Father's love for unloving and unlovely sinners like us, and that's the very heart of the Christian message, love for the undeserving. But that's not the end of Christianity's version or vision of love. 
Jesus told his friends that there is no greater love in this world than the love that would cause a man to lay down his life for his friends. Um, and that's what Jesus did, right? He died in our place. He took our place and shielded us from the judgment of God, and he did this because of his great love. But still, this is not the end of Christianity's vision of love. In the New Testament Gospels, Jesus teaches us not just about the love of the Father and not just about his love, but he teaches us that we are to be people of love. We are to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, and we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. We are even commanded to love our enemies and to pray for those who persecute us. And so the vision for the Christianity, the message of Christianity, what Jesus tells us is that the world will know that we belong to him by the way we love one another. So Christ wants to fill the world with love. That's the Christian vision of love. And it's incredible. It gives us this idea that God wants to replace the hate and the envy and the anger in the world with love, a love that first comes from him and then flows out of his people. So God wants love to fill the earth, and he wants that love to fuel all of our emotions and all of our actions as his children. Now, question 107, the last question this week. Is it enough then that we do not kill our neighbor in any such way? And the answer is no. By condemning envy, hatred, and anger, God tells us to love our neighbors as ourselves, to be patient, peace-loving, gentle, merciful, and friendly to them, to protect them from harm as much as we can, and to do good even to our enemies. So what Jesus is calling for and what the Heidelberg is drawing our attention to is this calling that we're to do good to everyone, even our enemies. This is an uncommon love. What's common is that kind of hatred and envy and anger that we see you know, all throughout Scripture and all throughout history, human history. But Jesus is calling us to this radical love, and it's a radical love fueled by a profound understanding of gospel realities. You see, the gospel teaches that despite God's goodness toward mankind, all of us have rejected him in our hearts. And we suppress the truth about him, even though we know he, belo- he, he exists. He's written his law in our hearts. We know he is there. And we seek to live as though we belong in God's place. That's the, the essence and nature of sin. But the Bible tells us despite these things, God still loved us. In fact, the Bible says that before the foundation of the world, he chose to love us even while we were still sinners, and he sent his son Jesus Christ to die for us even while we were still sinners. So we don't deserve his love. And when this truth takes hold of our hearts, that God doesn't love us because we deserve it, but he loves us especially because we don't deserve it. That is the gospel reality that begins to change the way we view ourselves. It changes the way we view God. It changes the way we view everyone, even our enemies. And so at the end of the day, Jesus is calling us away from the, the heart attitude of anger, which leads to murder, which characterizes our world. He's calling us away from that, and he's calling us to imitate the kind of love from the Father, the kind of love that has come down to us out of heaven. And he's calling us to be conduits of that love out into the world and how we interact with everyone, from family to friends to fellow believers, even to strangers and enemies. Jesus is calling us to love, to do good, to lend with no strings attached. And God is the standard of how we are to love others. And that's a, high, a, a tall order because God's love is perfect. So as followers of Jesus, we're not, 
We're called to love, not hate. We're called to love God in a way that resets our hearts and enables us to love others in an extraordinary, unnatural, and radical way. So this sixth commandment is not just a prohibition against a terrible type of sin. It is also a summons to an otherworldly type of love. Now, thank you for joining me today to learn about this sixth commandment. Next week, we're going to continue to study um, through these commandments and through the Heidelberg Catechism. We're going to be learning the seventh commandment, which prohibits adultery, but also helps us understand something about what biblical sexual ethics are all about. Now, I hope you'll join me for that discussion next week, Lord's Day 41, and we look at questions 108 and 109. Now, if you want to learn more about Cornerstone Baptist Church, you can find us online at cornerstonewiley.org. You can follow us on Twitter or Instagram at CBCWiley. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash cornerstonewiley. And you can also subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or Google Play to stay up to date on all the new content. Thank you so much for listening.